Welcome to Walking Moose Podcast. My name is Meg, my dog's name is Moose, and I'm taking time out from walking him to chat it up with you. Hey everybody, on today's episode, we are going to catch up on some news. We're going to catch up on some news that is personal to me. We're going to catch up on some, or discuss, or throw out some questions about some national and international news stuff that's going on, because I find that stuff fascinating. I'm going to tell you a couple of things I've read recently that have made impressions on me, either good or bad. I'm going to give you a recipe that you're going to make tonight because it's so stinking easy and you will be a rock star. And what else? What else? What else? What else? Well, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what happens. So grab yourself a tall, cool glass of something or a hot steaming mug of something. I'm going to grab my notes and we'll get started. Alrighty, then I'm going to start with the recipe because here's how I envision this will work. I will give you the recipe. You will pop your headphones in, your earphones in, your head pods, your ear heads or whatever they're called. Pop them in and go down to the grocery store while I'm still doing my fun podcast. And you can listen to that while you're getting the ingredients for your um, pie because you're going to make a pie. And then we can just chat it up and then you'll have this wonderful pie at the end and it'll be great. Okay, so this is a recipe that I kind of took a rift on and it's sort of a pub, take on a pub recipe, but this is chicken and mushroom pie. So here's what you're going to do because we're going to cheat on this the whole way. So you're going to go down to the store and you're going to get two ready to roll pie crusts. You're going to get those two. Then you're going to get a pound of chicken breast or a pound of chicken thighs. I use chicken thighs. You just want skinless. That's all you want. So a pound of chicken, your choice, not ground. Don't even go there. Ground chicken is an abomination. So some sort of solid chicken, thighs, breast, whatever, no skin. Then you're going to scoot back over to the produce area. And you're going to get yourself just a a container of mushrooms. I don't have any exact measurements for this other than the two pie crusts and the pound of chicken. So now you've got your pound of chicken, your two pie crusts, and you're going to get mushrooms of your choice. I like a lot of mushrooms and I like them big. So I got the kind of button ones that you slice up because then I can decide how big I want them. So I got those, and then you're going to, one more place, you're going to go over and you're going to get a can of cream of mushroom soup, and oh, back over to produce, I forgot, you're going to need a shallot, a shallot, a little bit of garlic. So you're going to go home, you're going to dice up your shallot. If you use a regular onion, what I would call a yellow onion or Spanish onion or even a white onion, it's going to be way too overpowering. So use the shallot. So you're going to take your shallot, you're going to slice it up, you're going to put it in your saucepan with some garlic and some olive oil, and you're going to get that going. In the meantime, you're going to take your chicken product, breast, thigh, breast or thigh, and you're going to cut those into chunks. And after the shallots have been going for a little bit, and again, this is not exact. So these are just bite-sized chunks. You're going to add your chicken to that saucepan and you're going to get it going. Salt and pepper it, salt and pepper it all the way. 
And then after that goes for a little bit and it starts to get a little bit less pink, a little bit more white, you're going to dump in your mushrooms. So you've got your mushrooms and those are going around in there. And then you're going to dump in a whole can of cream of mushroom soup. And you're just kind of going to get that all stirred around and everything like that. Now, here's the secret to it. To make it taste really, really wonderful, don't cook your chicken all the way in the saute pan. You want it still a little pink in the middle. So that you turn the heat off that and set that aside. That's got to kind of be cool before you put it in the pie crust. So then you unroll your pie crust and you put it in your pie pan, your pie tin. Now, a note to all of those wonderful bakers out there who make their own pie crust, good for you. I've done it. It's like having children. You know, I've done it. I can say that I've done it. I didn't enjoy the experience overly, but I have done it. And that's, that's all you need to say on that. I think that in the world of cooking, there are some things that don't taste any different. And pie crust is one of them. Pie crust is basically water, flour, a little bit of salt, some butter. I don't think it tastes any different if you unroll it from your prepackage or if you make it on your own. I don't think it does. Maybe if Paul Hollywood came to my house and made one, I would just be a convert, but right now I'm not. So anyway, back to it. So you, you're, it's going to be a two-crust pie. So you roll your pie crust out on the bottom, okay? And then you take your cooled mixture and you put that on top. And then you put your other pie crust on the top and kind of give it a little decorative crimp around the side. You can do it with a fork or with your fingers. Look it up on YouTube. There's a million ways to do it. Cut um, an X in the middle. And then you're going to take an egg. I forgot to tell you to get that at the store. I'm just assuming you would have it. Take your egg, whisk it up, and then with your little paintbrush, paint over the top of your pie. You're going to bake that at 350, 40 minutes to an hour. It depends on how brown you like your crust. And the reason you want to have the chicken pink before you put it in is because it will get super overdone if you don't. Like if you cook it all the way, the chicken in the skillet, and then put it in the pie crust, it's going to be kind of rah, 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 kind of gummy and nobody likes that. You will make this. They will eat it. They will eat the whole thing. I served it to my husband and to my youngest son, and they ate the entire pie. I had one piece. They had the rest of the entire pie. It's just that good. So anyway, get all those things together, and then we'll go on. Now that I've given you the recipe, now we're ready to go on with all the other stuff I wanted to tell you. So now that we have our pie made, I'm going to go over a few of the news stories that I found very interesting, or I have found very interesting this week, or this last week, last couple of weeks, whatever, um, and just kind of talk about those, give you some, you know, points of discussion when you're with your family or when you're just, you know, out with friends or something. First off, um, the Harry and Meghan interview. I could care less, totally care less. To me, it was very much like... I'm bitching about my mother-in-law with Oprah on television is really what it looked like to me. I don't have a lot of sympathy for Harry and Meghan because I think that they are so far removed from the rest of us. 
Um, you know, we have to schlick to the store and everything like that. But, but I did hear some very good commentary on it on NPR last night when I was driving home. And I think I may have been a little harsh on that. And the reason is, is because I didn't see the interview. I, I did not watch the interview. And when I sat there and said just now, they're so far removed from us, apparently during the interview, it was disclosed that they're not actually very far removed from us. Um, Megan is dealing with issues of racism, even at that high level. Um, and I say high level, not that I think that the British royal family is such a high level, but what I mean is, is that, I mean, these are educated people and we're in the 21st century. And can we just get over it now? Can we just get over it now? You, my opinion is, let's start judging people by the type of person they actually are. Black, white, red, purple, green, yellow, whatever skin color you have or hair color you have or eye color you have. Are you a good person? Are you a kind person? Are you a courteous person? Let's just, let's get past the whole skin color thing because it's so primitive to me. I think it's a very primitive way to uh, think about the world. Um, that, and then, you know, the estrangement from family, which I thought, again, during this commentary, I kind of pulled back because a lot of people are being estranged or are estranging themselves from their families for all sorts of different issues, um, political, racial, religious, and it's been going on for a long time. It's not a new thing, but people um, are talking about it more. They seem to be experiencing it more. And I think that's really interesting too. I think that's really interesting too, along with mental health, because I think we got a lot of mental health issues out there. I myself have suffered for years from anxiety. I've had some problems with depression, everything like that. You got to talk about it. So the Harry and Meghan interview, didn't watch it, was mean about it. Now I'm kind of turning around. Not sure that I'm going to watch it, but maybe I shouldn't have been so callous about it, trying to learn. So that was a little bit in the news that I thought was really interesting. Um, another thing that I thought in the news, again, I react to news because I'm a political junkie and I'm a news junkie and I react viscerally. And then as I learn more about the situation, I calm down and I get better. And I have decided that in 2021, I'm going to really work hard on being less polarized. I'm really going to work hard on trying to listen to the other points of view and trying to kind of look at different things and, you know, kind of, I'm not going to agree with everyone. It's going to be super hard for me to be understanding, but I'm going to try. So the American Rescue Act, um, I watched all of that. I watched the votes. I watched all the news coverage on it. And I am just so thrilled that that passed. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because I ended up hearing a couple of weeks before this, I listened to NPR all the time. And I heard a great book review on NPR don't know the woman's name, don't know the name of the book. I could look it up. I'm not going to. You can look it up. This is a fun podcast. I don't want it to turn into No, I don't want it to turn into work. But anyway, I heard this book review. Woman ha a woman had written a book about the Federal Reserve and her take 
on why there is a big wealth discrepancy in America is that it's the Federal Reserve's fault for two reasons. One, because they give such low interest rates on savings accounts, and two, because they bail out the stock market. Now, I'm not going to read the book. I'm not that much of a Federal Reserve junkie. I'm not going to read the book, but she did give a very interesting argument, and her argument was that income is not wealth. Savings is wealth. And the reason I relate that to the American Recovery Act is because you hear a lot about, well, we want to cap the checks at $200,000. We want to cap the checks at $150,000. We want, we don't want people with that kind of income getting help. Her argument well before the vote or anything like that, was that it doesn't have anything to do with income. It has to do with savings. Your wealth is determined on savings. So she gave an example of someone who was making $300,000 and they had a $500,000 house. Now, I hope I get this right roughly. So they they are paying a mortgage on a $500,000 house. They've got to pay on their student loans. They've got a car payment. And let's say they've got a couple of kids and they've got expenses there and everything like that. And a tree falls on the house in the storm. They're not going to have enough in savings, if anything at all, for them to deal with all the cost of getting, I mean, they do have insurance, but the cost of the repairs and paying the deductible and everything like that. So they're going to have to get, go get a HELOC on that $500,000 house in order to pay for that repair, which puts them, we won't even say further into debt because she didn't like the further into debt thing because she said debt is a fact of life. And we have all been fed a line that we're going to be out of debt. That's never going to happen. The other thing that we have fed a line is that our income shows how wealthy we are. It doesn't show how wealthy we are. Our savings shows how wealthy we are. And, you know, I myself, like so many of my friends, we don't have a lot in savings. And, but we consider ourselves middle class and everything. And so the American Rescue Act is going to give me money that I'm going to put into savings. And it's going to give tax breaks for people that are going to allow them to get that car repair that they need done without having to go to a payday loan. It's going to help with savings and it's going to be wonderful. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very excited about that. And I sincerely hope that we in America start to listen to what I consider these sort of new economists. Um, I don't mean younger economists. I don't mean with a new way of looking. But uh, I do mean that with a new way of looking at the economy. And what exactly we're striving for and what, I mean, we all want safe schools. We all want clean drinking water. We all want the ability for food. We all want to engage in the pursuit of happiness. But how we get there, I think we've been sort of um, fed a line about a lot of it. And I will take that up maybe in another podcast, but... Anyway, it's spring and we don't want to get bogged down in that, but I found that a very interesting news story. So we got Harry and Meghan, we've got the American Rescue Act that that was passed, and then again, start thinking about your savings. 
You know, your wealth is not determined on your income, according to this woman and several other economists. Your wealth is determined on your savings. So there's two news stories. But then the third one that I want to bring up, which was very interesting, was about the Pope. Well, I've just made an executive decision, and that is I'm not going to talk about the Pope. I'm not going to talk about the news story about the Pope because then I just feel like I'm getting bogged down too many news stories. But I will say go Pope. Love the Pope. Good trip. I think you had a good trip recently. Look it up. Google it. Um, But I'm not going to talk about the Pope other than I am a Pope fan. I haven't been a Catholic in many years. I So we won't go down that road, but I've just decided I'm not going to do the Pope news story because I don't have a huge bunch of time. Um, You guys don't have a huge lot of time to listen to me, so we'll just move on. Okay, so there was a bat in the house. I got to tell you this story. So there was a bat in my house, and that has never happened to us before, and I want to tell you what happened. So we have a big dog. Moose is a big dog. And Moose will often play by himself with balls or he has like this little squeaky toy called Blue Bear. And the other night, it was about a week ago, I was lying in bed reading. Jimmy was already asleep. Jack was at work. He works overnight sometimes. And Joe was in his room doing homework or whatever. And I heard Moose in the other room And he was bouncing around and bouncing around. I just assumed he was playing with his ball. Just thought that. And then I began to be aware of a really weird noise. To me, it sounded like a rattlesnake. You know, but it was definitely an animal noise. It was like a a weird, freaky noise. So I elbow hubby and I say, get up, get up. There's a rattlesnake in the other room. My husband just rolls his eyes and he's like, there's not a rattlesnake in the other room. I said, bye, you get up, you know, very threatening. I said, you get up and you go find that rattlesnake in the other room. There's a rattlesnake in there. So he's like, oh my God. So he begrudgingly gets up, shuffles out of the bedroom, shuffles into the living room. Moose, what are you playing with? Turns on a light lets out a scream and just a series of curse words. There is a blank bat in here. So he begins, he runs back to the bedroom. Now I, at that point, have gotten up and have slammed the bedroom door on him and I'm holding it from the other side. I'm not allowing him to come into the bedroom because I'm like, you have to go deal with that bat. Do not come in here because for two reasons. I had two reasons for doing that. One, he could come in and inadvertently let the bat in the bedroom and then I would have a heart attack and die and I don't want that to happen. And two, he needs to be made aware of the urgency of the situation. This is not something that you're going to be able to go back to bed because he'd do it. Oh, he'd do it. He would totally go back to bed and say he'd deal with it in the morning. So he's disgruntled about that, obviously upset. And he goes and bangs on Joe's door and he says, Joe, get out here and help me deal with this bat. So Joe comes out. What are you talking about, Dad? Ah, the bat's dive bombing him and everything. So then Joe runs away and everybody's running. Now, in the meantime, the dogs and cats have fully engaged with bat, with trying to get the bat. So the cats are like jumping on the furniture and Moose is knocking over chairs and jumping up and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So to make a long story short, um, they decide to, Jimmy and Joe decide to open the front door in the hopes of getting the bat to go out the front door. 
And as they open the front door, Moose decides he wants to go out the front door. So then Joe has to sort of, you know, like falling on a live grenade, he has to run over and kind of fall on Moose's neck because Moose is a big dog in order to, you know, pull him back in and not get him, you know, not let him go out. And then Jimmy's hurting the cats because they don't want the cats to, you know, run out in the middle of the night, all this kind of stuff. Um, At that point, we think the bat flew out, but we don't know. Because we've never seen the bat since. And we spent a lot of time that evening, each with a golf club, going through the house. Because the bat was getting up high on bookcases and kind of hiding behind books and everything. And we were, you know, using our golf clubs and hitting the books and then jumping back and everything like that. And so we think the bat went out. We hope the bat went out at that point when the door was open. But we honestly don't know. It was almost supernatural in the way the bat appeared and then disappeared. It was a weird, weird situation. But bat in the house, I don't know what that means. Um, I'm sure if you look in some sort of, you know, weird, maybe Asian or maybe Celtic book of magic or something like that, they would either say it was a wonderful thing that had happened or a horrible thing that would happen. I'm still going with it was a horrible thing that happened. So I don't know. But there was a bat in the house. Um, But we got through that. We lived through that. Testament to family and everyone working together to get the bat out of the house. So that's a little bit of exciting news from us that we were bat wrangling. And now I want to move on to what I have read recently because I think you will really find this interesting. I hope so. So I could not find a book that I could really get all the way through in February. Um, I just struggled with it. And so I ended up, um, every now and again I will do this, doing kind of a magazine month. And so I read three magazines cover to cover, and they were fantastic. So the first one I read was 14 times, F-O-R-T-E-A-N, Times. It's a British magazine. I'm supposed to be getting um, them in the mail because my husband paid for a subscription for me for Christmas. Still haven't seen it yet. Yes, I've contacted them. But anyway, so I'm supposed to be getting those in the mail. That's an absolutely fantastic magazine, and it's weird news. It's weird news from all over the world. And it's just wonderful. I mean, it's got a lot of, like, I like the spooky stuff. And so it's got a lot of, you know, weird people that, you know, investigate paranormal stuff. And it's skeptical. And at the same time, it kind of leaves it open. I read for years, I read The Skeptical Inquirer, which I still enjoy. I still like that one. But I like 14 times a little bit better because some of the news stories they just, you know, put in there and they just say, this is what was reported. And it doesn't make any judgment on either side. Other times they do have judgments on it. Um, Some in favor and some against and everything like that. But it's fun. Totally fun. I love it. It is just a great read. So I read that, and then I read, um, oh my gosh, now I should be able to tell you this, it's a history magazine, it's a BBC, it's a BBC, it is the number one British history magazine, the number one selling history magazine in Britain, and I promise, I my hand to God, I will look it up and have it in the show notes, but um, I read it cover to cover. It was fascinating. It talked a lot about, um, in this particular um, 
issue. It talked a lot about the National Trust and the colonial roots of the National Trust. And apparently they're having a big, big argument, discussion, maybe arguments right, the wrong word, over there um, talking about, you know, should people really be talking about the, when they say colonial roots, they mean racism and slavery related to some of these national trust areas. Like one of the articles I read was about Winston Churchill's childhood home. And there's a push to put in there about how they treated servants and how, you know, they got servants and everything like that. That's not going to cast the Churchills in a very complimentary light. But it was like whether or not they should invest time and money in that and everything. And that was super interesting. And then they had another very interesting article about Thomas Beckett and his assassination and what they've uncovered. Super great. Wonderful. Great. And then I read, which is one of my guilty pleasures. I know this is going to sound nerdy, but I love the Harvard Business Review. Because I love business, because business to me is so nuanced. It's so, there's so much in business. I, my degree is in business, but when you talk about business, you're talking about economics, you're talking about psychology, you're talking about culture, you're talking about technology. The Harvard Business Review and the, the cover story on it this month was about working with rivals. And that was fascinating because they talked about it. They took it even from the corporate level, working with rivals, to the personal level, working with rivals and people that you really can't stand and really are against your values and how you make that work. It was totally fascinating. So I had a big magazine magazine month in February, but I did just finish a book and I'm going to give you a quick book review. All right. So I just finished reading The Gabriel Hounds by Mary Stewart. It's an older book. I believe it was 1967 when she wrote it. And the basic premise of it is that you have these two cousins. Now, let's be kind of clear about this, is that they always say through the book, she always says to the book that they're cousins. I sort of got the impression that they weren't first cousins, they were second cousins, but still they are related in a weird way. A little bit distant, but they keep talking about how they're cousins and they look alike and blah, 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 blah. The genes apparently are there that connect them. So these two cousins, we have Christabel and we have Charles and Christabel is our heroine and they are in the Middle East and they're in Beirut and they're in Syria and they're looking for, and they're not looking for, but they're over there and they decide to see Great Aunt Harriet. And Great Aunt Harriet is kind of a, a strange person. She's very masculine-like and she's been living in the Middle East for many years and has adopted that lifestyle and prefers that to England. And she lives in this palace. They call it a palace, but it's really more like a compound. And so Christabel and Charles decide that they're going to go see her. So there's a series of events, serious things happen. And Christabel gets there first, and she goes to see Aunt Harriet. And I'm not going to give you all the plot points are down, but, you know, things are not as they seem. Nothing is as it seems. 
As usual with a Mary Stewart, you have a lot of what she, what a lot of people consider purple prose, but I really enjoyed it on this one. It really gave me that sense of the Middle East. I've always found the Middle East very fascinating, and I love, I loved reading about the heat of it and the landscapes and the hotels that they go to. It was very fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I enjoyed the story. Some of Mary Stewart's, you go through the story and you're like, that was the pivotal point. I mean, that was the the plot point there that you needed me to get because they don't actually seem that serious. But that's, you know, that has to do with when she wrote it and when I'm reading it and her lifestyle and my lifestyle. Um, and sometimes that can be a little hard to mesh. But this one I thought was very good. Um, I thought it was exciting. I thought it was interesting. Um, now, the relationship between the cousins, little little incestual there. Um, maybe more than a little if you read this book. But and I don't I don't know why she chose to do that. I'll, I may never know why she chose to do that. Um, I think that it was a very romantic love story. And I thought it was very, I liked both the characters. Nobody seemed like a wimpy sap. And nobody seemed like a cardboard cutout. But why she kept having to tell me they were cousins? Couldn't they just be friends? Childhood friends? Why did she keep, ha- I don't know. Anyway, so Gabrielle Hounds. It's a quick read. It's not a long book. And if you like atmosphere and you are interested in kind of that whole 1960s vernacular, you really need to read it. It's a good read. It's a fun read. Gabriel Hounds by Mary Stewart. All right. So we've come to the end of the catch-all. I hope it was a little bit fun. I hope you made your pie. I hope that you enjoy your pie. I hope you get glean something out of this, some little nugget of interest or some little delight to uh, take on your day with you some little bit. But I did, I'm going to ask you two questions. I have two questions and you guys can just let me, first question is, please leave me a review. I have gotten a few reviews on iTunes, but I need more because I'm moving up. I'm slowly moving up on the ladder and I need a review. You don't have to write anything. You just can hit the review. Um, I hope it's a five star. If it's not a five star, I need to figure out what I need to do to get a five star. But please leave me a review, a good review. And the other question I have for you is I'm thinking about starting a vlog, taking this into the video area. And I'm learning how to edit videos and kind of learn that and everything. So if that's something that anyone would be interested in, or if you guys think would be a good, you know, segue into, you know, merging this into a video area, just let me know because I'm really getting into learning how to take videos and doing all that kind of jazz. Anyway, thank you so much. I love it when you listen. I love it when you hear from you. Um, Everything's been going up, up, up on my end. Blogs getting more hits. My podcast is getting more listens. I am sitting at number 79 for personal journals in Egypt. And that's even before the Mary Stewart review. So thumbs up, Meg. Everything's going well on this end. I hope it's going well with you. And we will chat with you later. Thank 
you so much for joining us at the Walking Moose Podcast. Again, my name is Meg. My dog's name is Moose. You can check us out at www.walkingmoose.com where you can find all kinds of observations about a life in progress just like yours. So, farewell, all Wiedersehen, and may the road always rise up to meet you.